I'm Carrie Rutt, and this is Shot at Love. Today, we have two special guests, Natalie and Chris Martinez. Natalie Martinez is the CEO of Strong Women, Strong Girls, a nonprofit that teaches girls how to become strong young women. At age 25, Natalie became a single mother of two babies. During that difficult time in her life, she became a minister and found love in the church choir. She fell in love with musician Chris Martinez, they got married, and together are raising three children. God certainly had a plan for them. When we come back, Natalie and Chris will share a deeply personal story that reflects strength, diversity, and transition. They will share why nothing is better than living your life authentically and why love always prevails. You won't want to miss it, so stay tuned. Chris Martinez is a self-taught musician and producer with 22 years of experience. He enjoys collaborating and bringing out the best in independent artists. His philosophy can be summed up in this quote, when words fail, music speaks. Natalie Martinez is the CEO of a mentoring program that gives young girls skills for lifelong success. Natalie's heart is amazing as well as her drive to give back to her community. One of her favorite quotes is, where there's a will, there's a way. And this strong woman never quits, especially on someone she loves. Today, we will talk about Natalie and Chris's unique path and what's so truly special about their relationship. Hi, Natalie and Chris. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Carrie. So it's so interesting, one, that you're a minister, Natalie, and that you guys met in church. I don't think... um, I mean, your prayers were answered, but I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, as they always say, God works in mysterious ways. So my prayers were answered, but it was very different than what I had anticipated. What was your driving force to become a minister? Um, my driving force to become a minister is that I've always been a spiritual person, and I've always had a connection to God. I started out in church when I was 11 years old, and so then I went through various times in my life and after having my two kids and then ending up on my own, you know, I was really in a state of despair and I wanted to go back to my first love, to the thing that brought me the most stability in my life. So I returned to church and joined a church that was in um, in Boston and from there just began to rise in the ranks and really wanted to dedicate my life to ministry and giving back to people. And it was there that I met Chris, and it's such an interesting, unique story, but I'm happy to happy to share it with you today. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, I always say it's important to trust the divine timing in life and that God always has a plan for you. But, you know, here you are, you're, you're not thinking about dating, you're thinking about being a minister in your church, literally sitting in your church. And you say that when Chris walked in the door, he had this like swagger, like Mick Jagger or something. I don't know. <laughs> like you, you, he got your attention. Absolutely. So just to describe the scene to you, I was sitting in the pulpit and we were nearing the end of service. And throughout that 
church service, I had been working with a gentleman who was coming in to take over our music ministry. Okay. And I was a little frustrated because the music wasn't going the way that I had anticipated for um, that morning. And that's important for me to share with you, which is also another reason why I really fell for Chris. So I was waiting for the end of service to come along, and then all of a sudden in walks this this person yeah. with all of this like confidence and swagger, as I describe it. Yeah. And he circled the back of the church and ended up over to where the, the uh, musician was. And I kind of realized that they knew each other. But then after service was over, I walked up to the gentleman who had been playing during the service and, you know, introduced myself again. And we were talking about the music. And he said to me, he was like, okay, so I'm actually not going to be your musician playing. Chris is actually going to play for you. And I got really excited. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, maybe there's a light at the end of this tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) So, Chris, what did you feel like when you came into the church and you saw Natalie? So when I walked in, I I did look around. I I definitely like to be aware of my surroundings. And I've played in many different churches uh, before I actually uh, went to Natalie's church. Uh, But that morning, I walked in uh, definitely with no real expectations. Yeah. Um, and really just wanted to find my friend, who she spoke of, uh, the the music uh, Director. director at the time. But when I walked in, I immediately heard this voice coming from the pulpit and I looked and I, I saw this it's, angel. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> really, angel, archangel. Yeah, not to be so mushy, but I mean, you know, just just a, just a light. Oh, really. that's so nice. I know. I can I can see the light in her. This is a funny story. Well, it's not a funny story, but it's funny how Natalie says one night you went to her house and you just never left. <laughs> so um that is funny, Carrie. <laughs> I actually like to tell the story that way, but to give it some context, Chris and I were growing in our friendship and getting to know each other, you know, working together with the choir. And so he took on the role of being the minister of music and then me being over the choir in addition to ministering, we began to work very closely together and that's how we developed our friendship. But then one night we were on the phone and Chris was out at a family member's birthday party and there was a a situation that came up where he was living, where the person that we mentioned um, had been assaulted outside their home. And so naturally Chris didn't want to go back home that night and said to me, you know, told me what was going on. And so I was like, well, you can come to my house. Right. <laughs> so says the minister. But <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I love that. So where you were, Chris, you're 10 years younger, right? 13. Oh, 13. Okay. Yeah. So... This gets juicier yeah, and juicier. No. <laughs> Every question I ask you guys. How much time do we have? <laughs> Seriously. So you're younger and you're doing what young people do. You're out partying and you had a regular gig at The Verve in Boston. And you must have been pretty taken with Natalie because you took on an awful lot of responsibility right from the beginning. Definitely. You know, I, again, had no real expectations, but... As Natalie said, uh, after the first night, I certainly never left. Maybe just to go home and get some more clothes. But I I found my way back every day. It just felt like home. It felt like Mm. where I was meant to be. As you mentioned, Natalie was a single mother. I was raised by a single mother. And I felt pulling at my heartstrings, I wanted to take the place, take the void out of uh, the home 
uh, for Natalie and the girls. That's nice. I always, I, I said I wanted to mention that it takes a special person who can step in and raise someone else's children. Natalie, can you tell me what Chris meant to you during those challenging years and what he still means to you today? The biggest thing that I always talk about when I talk about what, what Chris brings to our family is loyalty, stability, and this amazing amount of love. I mean, it's not easy to raise your own kids, but then you're raising three children that you didn't biologically have, and they're all in age ranges that are, you know, my oldest is closer in age to him than I am. So they're, you know, you're young and you're learning how to help step in and, and be a parent. And Chris has never referred to our kids as his stepchildren. They are his children. So he has been there through thick and thin and and through all of that, he has just demonstrated this love and this this unconditional passion for just being with us, which um, helps me to really value the importance of having him. And to be frank, when I was raising the girls by myself, I knew that I would not marry someone unless they viewed my children as their own. I knew it was a, a tall order to ask for, but it was the standard that I was setting for my family. And it didn't even have to be said to Chris. He stepped right into the role. And from day one, you know, they're his kids. And to this day, that's, you know, that's the way he views them. Right. And I um, photograph all types of families. And I always say your children that you're meant to have, they come to you in so many different unique ways sometimes, but they're meant to be yours. I want to tell the story about how I met Natalie. And I, so Natalie and I, a little while ago, were both one of four women that were honored at this luncheon that was called Empowering Women. And Natalie was actually six feet apart, but in between um, Krista Simpson Anderson, who, who is a gold star widow and military spouse ambassador. And I just loved both of them right away. And I said, You both have to be on my podcast. And then Candy O'Terry, who was the host of the event and dear friend of ours, came over to the table and she was like, Harry, can I just pull you away for a minute? And I didn't get a chance to talk to Natalie as long as I got to talk to Krista, but I remember, and I had forgotten about it, she said, I would love to be on your show, and do I have a dating story for you? And I was like, okay, like, great, I can't wait. So I had chosen, originally I had chosen Natalie because I was like, this woman is amazing. Like, she runs this nonprofit that helps empower women, which is definitely like my mission and platform. So that alone, like I was like, I can totally work her into Shot at Love. Like she was a single mom. She's, everyone has a story. Everyone has an important story to tell. And so I'm on the phone with her a few days ago, getting ready for this episode. And like the first thing I said to her was, don't, you're going to be great on the show. I said, you're so well-spoken. You're so authentic. And she was like, okay, Yes, I am a minister. And I was like, and it's cool that you're a minister. Like, I love that. And you have all these different pieces and sides of you. And so we're just trying to think about the topics. And then she's like, well, yes, I am a minister. And then she's like, hold on a second. I just want to go. I want to have my husband here 
what I have to say. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> like, all right. Like, that's how their household works. Like, I was like, right. whatever. <laughs> um, and I, but I, what I thought, and I, I'm such an intuitive person, and I think that's like one of my gifts as a uh, photographer. And so I, all I heard was this love and respect. Really, yeah. that was like so came across so strongly. And so Natalie said, you know, Carrie, I am a minister and my husband is transgender. And I was like, Natalie, like, I'm not Katie Kirk, but this is the story. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is better than any after school. Like, this is the story. We have to tell your story. Mm-hmm. And she said, OK, well, let me talk to Chris and, and I'll let you know. And I hung up the phone, and I was like, he'll say yes. <laughs> I just had this feeling. I don't know. I just felt like I could hear that love and respect on the other line. And so I get a text from you, and you're like, he said yes. Yeah. And I thought, that is so nice. Yeah. So then this is where the learning came for me. Uh, we decided to get on a conference call, the three of us. And it was kind of like, all right, let me. I wanted Chris to trust me and say understand what my mission of my show was Absolutely. and why I do what I do and wh- what my why was. And so I'm on this call and I'm asking questions. I'm like, you guys, I'm trying to learn <laughs> as fast as I can everything and anything about the transgender world. Mm-hmm. And you guys, are, and I said, I'm right now listening to the Caitlyn Jenner book. And you guys are like, put the book down. Yeah. Like, and I was like, why? Like, you know, Caitlyn Jenner is a very famous story. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot. There's an Olympian. There's mm-hmm. the fame and all the things that come with fame. And Caitlyn's story is important. Yes. And Caitlyn has a, a, a vehicle and an opportunity to raise awareness with the celebrity. Mm-hmm. But you were like, if you really want to understand what most transgender people most transgender people don't have all the fame. Most people don't have all the fame. You exactly. Know? So yeah. you said what you should do is watch this documentary if you can, which is called Disclosure. And I'm like, okay, I'm on it. I'm on <laughs> this. Like, I'm going to do it. And so we're talking on the phone, and I'm like, I'm stuck. The questions that I'm asking, like, you guys felt a disconnect, I felt a disconnect, and I'm like, I am so confused. Like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm talking to Chris. He's the husband. He's the father. He, you know, he's a man. Um, And then I'm like, where's the transition? (laughs) You guys, like, I'm like, there's no trans, like, there's no transition. I'm so lost. I finally just blurted out. And I was like, Chris, what were you born as? Mm -hmm. Like, what was your gender? Right. And so um, you guys both were like, you both, I think, simultaneously screamed, a girl. <laughs> and I thought, okay. And I was like, boy, did I get this whole thing wrong. Mm. And that's where I was kind of disappointed in myself. And I was like, why did I just assume that this was going to be a man transitioning into a woman? Mm-hmm. And so I felt better, a little bit better, when I watched Disclosure. Because to, in society through the media and through the movies and through the imagery they've trained you to think of that yeah and so 
that really got my attention, especially someone who is in the media. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't understand. I was like, okay, why did I automatically think that? I'm like, okay, I do have a lot of gay, gay male friends who that's the industry I'm in, you know, stylists and makeup artists. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they introduced me to drag brunches and that was so super fun. And um, I'm like, is it because my, I I didn't understand. I'm like, my favorite movie is Birdcage. Why did my mind just (laughs) automatically think that? And yeah, can you guys like talk about that? That I'm trying to think from disclosure that they're trying to educate people more, you know, that there there is transgender male. Well, what's interesting about the transgender community is a lot in terms of what you're talking about right now. Most people, if they even know a transgender person, it's typically someone who's transitioned from male to female, which is not our story, obviously. So when I met Chris, Chris was was um, pre- was female or presenting as female. I think that's the right way to say it. And I, I too, so I want you to know, Carrie, I'm doing my best to know the right way to say these things and be respectful of my husband, but I'm, I'm still learning and we're 11 years in. So to your point, when I talk to you about our relationship and boy, do I have a story for you? You know, I would not tell you, I told you that he was transgender and I guess I just assumed that you would think female to male, but I would not tell you that without his permission. Cause I think first and foremost, we have to honor the, the place that the person is in right. and give them the opportunity to out themselves. Because one of the things we did talk about is safety. And there are some transgender men who are passing and they don't, necessarily want to out the fact that they have transitioned from female to male. And I think you you should hear it more from Chris because it's his experience. But as his wife, the things that are really important to me is to honor him in the space that he's in. He's always been a man. I met him when he physically presented as a female. And that was the other interesting part of the story because as a minister, I didn't realize I had attraction to a female. But then at the same time, early into our relationship, he tells me he's going to transition. And that was totally fine with me. And it was an immediate acceptance of who he truly is as an individual. But Babe, I think you should tell it from your perspective. Well, that's what I was feeling on the phone when I got on the phone with you, Chris. I was like, I got you. You know, like I, I, I could hear your heart. I could hear everything about you that makes you special. And I was just like, again, my mind, go, and I go, it goes back to that documentary. It's like you're trained to think a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that was a big learning piece for me. Yeah, I think, um, as Natalie said, definitely society and more so maybe over the last 10 to 15 years, uh, uh, media has definitely influenced how we think of a lot of things. But I think that, um, you know, for me, my personal story, yes, being born uh, biologically a female, physically a female, but never mentally uh, Mm -hmm. a female. And so having to deal throughout my childhood and my teens, trying to figure out what this means. You know, am I just going crazy? Um, It it was a long time before I even heard the term transgender. Um, So I just had no idea. You know, all you knew of was sort of like the butch and the studs and the 
the masculine females. Uh, so I was just going along with that until I could really f- figure out what the next step was. Right. Young people get it. And so That's I right. started to think about that. I'm like, because my daughter was the one who has really opened my eyes. And she was like, Mom, your show? Like, no offense. Like, <laughs> no young people are listening to it. And I was like, I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, like, you don't know your pronouns and they, them, theirs. I'm like, what is going on? You know, it's so she, powerful. It's so powerful, but she was so spot on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, and I, and I did make a point on one episode and I said, you know, Morgan, I did say that the show is for everyone and it's really important to me that this show is for everyone. And, and she said, well, I'm so proud of you because you chose non-binary day to do it. Aww. And I thought, <laughs> these kids are so special. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. so, but you know, and I think, but my parents are like, they sound like your parents, Natalie. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but the young people, so I, I was thinking about this and I'm like, okay, I grew up on the Brady Bunch. Like, if the Brady Bunch went on vacation, I went on vacation. <laughs> like, that was my life. It was one TV show. Yeah. And if we went to the theater, which was very rare, um, it was either The Nutcracker or Annie. Yep. Mm. All right? And so <laughs> I've been taking my daughter to rent since she was a little girl. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right? And mm-hmm. that, that, I've been every year, I mean, I sob in that, in that when I hear the voices, mm-hmm. it's just the most beautiful production. And, you know, these kids have glee. They have all yeah. these exactly. things yep. that we never had. This generation gets it. And that's what's so powerful about all of the movements that we see happening around us at this time. They are the change makers and they are the ones that are going to bring across equality in the way that we need to see it. And I hope that it's within our lifetime that we get to see uh, these young people rise up and be the leaders that we need. Right. I think we will. I mean, mm-hmm. they just are so forceful, and that's part of the everyday. You mentioned that, you know, your daughter and how she got it, and I think one of the things that's important about our story in terms of, you know, how Chris came into our family, I had the three girls, and at the time when I met him, they were four, eight, and ten, And even before he even discussed his transition, it was our daughters that began to call him by male pronouns without us asking them to, without him even saying he was going to transition. And, you know, he can certainly tell you from his perspective, but that in itself was so powerful that these young kids had, you know, Chris living in their home and saw him for the man that he is, without us even telling them. It's beautiful. I think there's so, this is why the story is so beautiful. It, it took, like you said, Chris, you never, you know, you, you, you didn't hear these words. You didn't know that you would be able to transition. Right. And as time went on, it was the love of Natalie. And that was that safe space to be able to be like, this is, this is what I need to do. And, and it was your kids. Your amazing Absolutely. kids that gave you the push. Absolutely. Gave me the push, gave me the strength, and really just let me know that it was okay to be myself. You know, not having to say those words, but as Natalie said, you know, out of the blue, really just out of the blue, uh, using the male pronouns, it just blew my mind, honestly. Yeah. 
Um, and it just made it that much easier. That's um, nice. Yeah. That's nice. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break, but we will be discussing changes, challenges, and transitions and becoming your best authentic self when we come back. This episode of Shot of Love is brought to you by Akal Chai Rum. Akal Chai Rum is the world's first botanical rum. Recognized by the government of Trinidad and Tobago as having the first new production process for rum in over a century. Akal Chai Rum is an officially protected trade secret. Only the second such protected process in the Caribbean since the famed Angostura bitters by Don Carlos Siegert in the 1870s. Akal Chai Rum is available in 44 U.S. states on chairum.com. Also available in the Republic of Ireland on stuffyouneed.com. Try some today. And we're back with Chris and Natalie Martinez. Natalie, I love how you said when you fell in love with Chris, you fell in love with the person and you didn't care what package he came in. I think that is so beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I've loved Chris, honestly, from the day I met him. He he captured me and he captivated me. And like we said, even though he was presenting at that time in a female form, I could just see how genuine he was, his energy with me. And one of the funny stories we tell is that, you know, even though I was in a position of power and when I went to meet him that morning and I asked him a question about um, something to do with the choir and he literally didn't answer me and walked away. <laughs> And it, was, it wasn't, and that was one of the things actually that drew me more to him because people don't do that to me. Right. Um, so later when we talked about it, I think he didn't think I was really talking to him because the other person was there. So we were having like a conversation between three people, but just the fact that he did that, I was like, Hmm, right. <laughs> who is this person that, right. you know, How dare you walk away from me? So it was interesting. So, but he's just, I have just loved Chris for every inch of who he is, yeah. all that comes with it. But I just have to say it again. He loves me just that way as well. Like, oh, yeah. It's not easy dealing with Natalie Martinez. And <laughs> this is a guy that can handle it. Right. And we were when we had the break, we were talking about you said the, you really liked my speech where I said it took it took a Oscar-winning celebrity to tell me that, Carrie, don't change one thing about you Mm -hmm. because smart men like smart women. And I I had to hear that, apparently, Mm -hmm. because I always felt like the same, like, you know, it's not easy. I always felt like I I was a little much, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, I was always supposed to be a little much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wasn't supposed to play dim, dim my light. Mm-hmm. I was always supposed to just keep going. And so I like how you, you framed it for me. You're like, you know, Carrie, later in life, I realized that I liked either mm-hmm. men or women. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was good how you said that. And then that's when you said you didn't care which, like, which way Crisp was, wanted to present himself. Mm-hmm. Because you just loved the soul. Loved the soul. Exactly. And I mean, how powerful and I think that's where your children come in is that children they don't have an agenda you know they they like they see you exactly and I think 
That's, and I see it from photographing, you know, for a whole career of photographing children. But I think, Natalie, you are special. And in my research, I learned that most relationships don't make it through a transition. And Bruce Jenner got divorced three times because Caitlin was always there. And I watched a recent interview with Diane Sawyer, and I thought it was so amazing because when Caitlyn Jenner said she wasn't sure who her next partner would be, if it would be a man or a woman, but I thought it was so nice because she said she's just looking for a nice person. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. And I think, you know, Natalie, you have taught me so much about being open in love and whatever way that love comes to you. Do you want to expand on this? Sure. I've always been the kind of person that's open and accepting to people. And what is interesting about our love is that, again, not putting any pretenses on to Chris, while I wanted someone that would accept my kids as their own fundamentally, and honestly, not really sure about my own sexuality, having grown up in the church from 11 you know, and meeting Chris when I was in my early 30s, I fell into that traditional path of like, you know, you don't deal with the feelings that you have going on inside. And, you know, and it wasn't as open when I was growing up to to know that you were like gay or lesbian or bisexual or whatever. So long story short, really my approach to loving someone and getting to know someone is the attraction and it's the quality that bring, that comes into that they bring into the relationship. And I really hope for that for a lot of people. You know, oftentimes when you love men and women, you're bisexual, pansexual, sometimes you're looked at kind of weird. But my hope for people is that they get out of wanting the person that's, you know, taller than them or that makes more money than them. And I'm speaking specifically to females. You know, oftentimes we want the stereotypical individual, but it doesn't bring the love that you really are looking for. And in the case of Chris and I, I mean, I know that people can't see us, but Chris is shorter than me. Chris is younger than me, you know, but he is the love that I needed in my life. And, you know, traditionally, you know, my, the biological person of my, my children fit those criteria Mm. way taller than me, you know, and we lived in those gender roles, but it was, there wasn't no love there. And so I was able to move outside of that. And I would encourage anyone listening to just really give yourself a chance, you know, stop Xing out someone because of these superficial things, because at the end of the day, if you really allow yourself to connect with the individual, then you have a shot at love. Oh, that's so Absolutely. nice. And I, I had a top 10 list of the qualities that I wanted in a man. And I ha- it was my mentor who said to me, can you take tall? Like, why is tall number one on your top 10 list? Like, last I checked, you keep dating 6'4 monsters. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And then as far as these relationships, when surviving a transition, Chris, how common is it to find someone like Natalie? I would say not common at all. Um, Zero percent. Natalie is extremely rare, Um, not only um, in the way that she loves, uh, but just the person that she is in general. Uh, I've never had the support of anyone 
like I do with, with Natalie. It's nice. It's almost overwhelming, to oh. be honest with you. But it's it's a gift. It is a gift. And it's I love gift. when people can appreciate that gift and really like appreciate the person that they love. Because mm-hmm. that's, sometimes I think people take a lot of things for granted. Absolutely. And, yeah. I, and I know myself, like I couldn't have done this podcast and run my business if I didn't have the support of my boyfriend. And, you know, he is so encouraging. I don't ever forget that. Mm -hmm. And I definitely appreciate that. You know, I had mentioned earlier that nothing is better than living your life authentically. But sometimes it's tough. Like, Natalie, you just touched upon it. It's like, here you are, a minister in a church. Mm -hmm. Like, we didn't even talk about the church piece. Chris, you always knew, or or I'm not sure when you knew that this would be your path. And in your soul, you were always a man, but a big transition can affect other people. What do you think was like the hardest part? Like you were talking about, you know, growing up in the church and growing up in a large family. Was it other people's opinions that was the hardest part? It doesn't sound, I mean, your children sound like they're just, they sound like they're, they have Natalie's heart, you know? Right. Absolutely. Um, So like I said, you know, growing up with a huge family and and spending all of my days uh, in church, my family heavily impacted my life and my decisions. Quite honestly, even now, uh, and I'm 31 and have not necessarily had the same contact with my family as I did growing up. But just with all the teachings it still impacts uh, my life. It still makes it hard for me to to be myself authentically, uh, even when dealing with wanting to see my grandparents and knowing that I will be misgendered, with wanting to see my own mother and knowing that I will be misgendered. um, It makes it extremely hard. I think that also at the same time, it makes my life with Natalie and our children and her family um, as well, specifically, one of her nephews and her adoring mother. Um, I really don't know where I would be wow. without them. Yeah, your mom. I feel like your mom should be on the show. I feel like your mom <laughs> sounds amazing. My mom is Chris's biggest fan. She's my best friend. Isn't that nice? I just have to tell you, she does not side with me at all, ever. <laughs> no, Chris, anything... That my that my mom thinks is right comes from Chris. So, yeah. Wow. Chris has he he has taken my mom over. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice though. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There's so many nice pieces to your story mm-hmm. here. Now this is, and I have to say, Chris, thank you so much for for trusting me with your story. I really feel so honored, and I feel so grateful that um, you taught me so much. I've really learned an awful lot, and I think hopefully some other people can learn from this episode as well. But Natalie mentioned to me that in today's world with the social injustice that's happening, you know, I liked what you said, Natalie. You were like, we, we stand for your love. Mm-hmm. And you also said it's possible to find love, but... You know, sometimes it comes in a different way. Mm-hmm. And and this is what comes with, with, with your love. And when you say that, does that mean, like, judgments from society or the church? Like, where do you feel like you had to overcome the most? 
most of all, we as a couple have had to overcome people's misconceptions or preconceptions about our love and about who we are. So there's a couple of different ways to describe this. Looking at us walking down the street, I'm taller, he's younger. So there are times when people think maybe he's one of my kids as opposed to being my spouse. So we have to overcome that. We have to overcome our culture and being African-American and being heavily raised in the Protestant church and all that comes with that. And that's a huge thing that's a part of the African-American community right now and people within the LGBTQ community as well and having to deal with not being accepted and, and with God and church being at the core of who we are, at the core of who I am. Because I thank you for continuing to refer to me as a minister because I am. I still have my license. It's who God's created me to be. But because of institutional religion, I haven't been able to really operate in that path the way that I was originally and have had to take my gifts and operate, you know, the way God wants me to in a different way. So tradition and culture has also been a part of making things difficult for us. But at the end of the day, it comes down to us being human beings and us being conditioned. And that's what I would love for your listeners to hear is that, you know, you got to be able to question the conditioning that you've been brought up in. So many traditions and families are amazing and they help us to be who we are. But then there's a lot of times that those things are terrible and they and they hurt people mm. and they, you know, they they destroy lives. I mean, Chris's family is huge to his life and it's been a tremendous loss. But because we stick together and we are thankful for those that stand with us because his brother and his partner are right in our corner and there are some of those that are like our best friends from his family. But then, you know, it is a loss for all of the many others that just won't accept or won't allow him to be who he is and won't allow us to be together because, you know, even just the age factor as well. Right. It's just too bad, Mm -hmm. you know. Me getting divorced and having, I always say it was like I got divorced twice, but all the things that happened in my life made me the person that I am today. And so people have judgments about, are you married? Why aren't you married? How come you got divorced? You know, it's just, it's crazy town. Mm -hmm. And um, it's unfortunate, but it's unfortunate that like you have to say things like, this is my legal right to be married to the person that I love. Like that, that's hard. Exactly. We took our kids on vacation to Florida before um, marriage equality passed at the federal level. And I wasn't worried about it, but I had had to say to him, we had to know that God forbid if something had happened to us or happened to me specifically in Florida and I was no longer able to care for our children, he would not have had legal rights to care for his kids that he had raised already for eight, ten years. I don't remember when that was, a couple years ago. But but it was before marriage equality was passed. And so even just traveling with our children, you know, mm. we couldn't even have the safety that he can parent them if something were to happen to me. That's scary. Mm-hmm. That's really scary. 
But now we can. That's awesome. <laughs> now we can, yes. That's awesome. They're mine. Yes. There you go. <laughs> and you sound like an amazing dad, Chris. Thank you. So sadly, this is my last question. Mm-hmm. Love and marriage take work. And sometimes that consistency and commitment aren't easy. Natalie, can you tell me what you said yesterday about how you measure a relationship? Because I think it's so spot on. Do you remember what you said? <laughs> no. <laughs> what I, I mean, I think the thing that I, that I always go back to, which is true and authentic for our relationship, is that, again, you know, Chris has always been with us. He has been there through thick and thin And when I say he's been there, it's not like he's been, like I'm like holding a knife over his head or, you know, holding him at gunpoint, but he's always been a part of our lives because he wants to be, he's been consistent and he's, you know, again, he's never left and it's because he wants to be with us and he wants to be a part of our, our family. And so our love is, it's It's, it's like, I think I said, we were talking about how, Early in my relationship, I mean, it was like when, when my boyfriend came into my world, it was, it was literally like no honeymoon phase, just putting out fires mm-hmm. for, for him. Mm-hmm. And he had to step in and really become, I was like, can you go to the dump and can you drive my daughter to soccer? Like I needed help yeah. right. and I needed a real partner who was going to rise up and be, be there. And so when you meet someone as a single mother mm-hmm. and they can rise up yeah. and really become this man that you need. I think I was talking about when I ruptured the two discs in my neck mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I thought, all right, this is it for me. Like, I don't know that I'll recover. And I really learned a lot about my relationship. And I think during this pandemic as well, mm-hmm. people are really seeing people who they are. And I think you said something like how you measure a relationship, you measure it in the struggles. Yeah. Something Absolutely. like that. That's exactly right. One of the things that is most important about the love between Chris and I is that I'm trying not to be emotional, but any time that I am down and out and I have, you know, the biggest struggles, Chris is always there. And I did mention this to my daughter the other day. I was saying to her, I was like, you have to understand that it's not the good times that demonstrates whether or not a person's going to be there for you. It's what they do in the bad times. Right. And I was really sick over the summer. And I mean, Chris was by my side. I was to the point where we weren't even sure about my outcome mm. in terms of my health. And he never left my side. And that's one of many times that he's been there um, for me and for the kids. And I mean, even with raising kids that want to push back and you know what the teenage years are like, but he's there through the hard times. And that's what solidifies to me that his love is real and is genuine. And he's with us because he really wants to be with us. That's nice. And, you know, you talk about hard times and in today's world, it's all hard times right now. And we keep hearing that we're all in this together. And I'm glad I'm so glad we could focus on love and society's acceptance rather than rejection because we all want a sense of belonging. Thank you so much for sharing your story and teaching us the power of becoming your authentic self. You two have seen into each other's soul and have such profound love for each other. What's next for you? I'm telling you, you got to do a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
I think we, we're both trying to figure out our next steps. Honestly, we have been talking about doing something together. Personally, I would love it if Chris would release more of his music. Um, and maybe I am not a musician, but I certainly love to hear his music. And he has a special sound for the world. But I, I'm not really, we're not really sure right now. Yeah, nothing concrete, but we're definitely talking about next steps and certainly maybe a podcast for yeah. sure. Well, I told you, I, I, I really think there's a need for the transgender world. Absolutely. And I think it was like 80% of Americans don't, don't, ha- don't know someone transgender, but there's 1.4 million transgender people in the world. So there's a, yep. a market. Mm-hmm. And I, that, I just feel like with your mu- music background, Chris, and your ministry background... I think you guys could do something for sure. And I just want to end on some words that were in this new documentary that I've, I, I guess I play on repeat now. Um, <laughs> but never has there been almost an urgency to connect through stories. And for the first time in history, trans people are taking control of their own storytelling. And the more positive stories out there, the more gains for transgender people in the community. And one of the lines in the documentary was, none of us wins if one of us gets knocked down. And I thought that was so powerful. You both live in Brockton, and Brockton is referred to the City of Champions. That's right. (laughs) Because that's where Rocky Marciano and Marvin Hagler came from. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank you for being fighters for equality while being champions for transgenders. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much, you guys. And for now, this week's Tinder tips. Number one, open yourself up to love. Really be open because you never know what package that person may be in. Number two, lose labels. Things don't have to be in a box. Look for authenticity, people who have the courage to be who they really are. Number three, if a person can't accept or love all of you, Whatever shape or form that may be, well, that person isn't for you. I hope you found some of my tips helpful this week. This is what Shot at Love is here for, to help you find love. Keep up that commitment to yourself and commit to helping someone else by sharing this podcast. Remember to stay safe and stay tuned for more episodes. And if you'd like me to photograph you for your online dating profile, DM me or email me about my Shot at Love promotion. I'm Carrie Brett, and we'll see you next time.